Hi, and welcome to PH Drinking. I'm your host, Sadie Witkowski. And today with me, I have a guest who is also a UT Plan 2 alumni. Um, she's in the material science program uh, in engineering at U Minnesota Twin Cities. And random fact, she likes watching binge watching Korean drama. Uh, I have with me Athena Metaxas. Hi, Athena. Hey, what's up? So what are you drinking today? Um, well, it's cold as all hell up here. In- oh, wait, what's the swearing rule? Am I oh, allowed yeah, to def- swear? Okay. Yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, good. Uh, so it's cold as all hell up here. So I got me a hot chocolate with some Baileys in it. <gasps> oh, that sounds excellent. I was like, well, I had those like little mini bottles in the fridge and I was like, oh, hey, I can use this for something. Mm-hmm, yeah. I right now I'm just drinking some Magic Hat um winter warmer so it's like a, a stout with vanilla in it or something it's pretty good See, if, you, if, you, if you like beer you'd like minnesota because they love their beer up here and they have a bunch of like microbreweries everywhere but i really don't like beer so it's kind of unfortunate for me <laughs> <laughs> when you came from well you did school in austin too and that was a huge microbrewing area or it has become now, like, the now last it 10 is, years. yeah yeah, well, they yeah. got rid of that. What was that? They had like that dumb law in Texas where you couldn't like sell your, I don't know, whatever it was. They got rid of it finally. But. Yeah, it has to do with like the breweries themselves can't sell outside the state That's or right. something yeah. stupid. It's dumb. Anyways, um, let's talk about your work in material science. So you're in your second year. So you've kind of, you've got some experience under your belt. Um, first of all, how long is a material science program? Uh, typically about five years from what I hear, maybe five and a half. Okay, so you're you're not one of the majors who tends to have the six, seven year jobs. No, no, that's like bio, <laughs> I think, tends to do that. Yeah. Mm, yeah, and psychology, unfortunately, in some oh, areas. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll probably be here six years, let's be real. I, I think anything with, like, animals or bacteria, like, live subjects tends to be a bit longer in general. They don't yeah, always, anything you have to keep alive. It, they don't or, cooperate always. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so what do you study in material science? Uh, so the term, okay, so math side, the department itself has just so many different things in it. So it's really hard to describe it. But like what I do in particular is I work on um, water treatment. I guess like the research behind that and how that works and making the process better. So it's kind so of like optimizing idea. existing treatments. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's a step in the treatment process, excuse me, called um, flocculation sedimentation. So basically what you do is like when you initially filter like big things out of water, like fish, whatever you want, you have like clay and other stuff that's floating around in the water that won't settle out readily. So it's really tricky to filter that stuff out efficiently. So what you have to do is you have to add a chemical flocculant, what we call it, or coagulant, and that'll basically force them to bunch up together into these large... Um, I get like colloidal materials called uh, flocks. That's literally the term for it, flocks. Like F-L-O-C-K? Yes. That like is they're the, flocking that together? Is, yes, that is the technical <laughs> term for them. Uh, and then they're heavy, so by the time they grow big enough, gravity takes over, and they'll settle out more readily to the bottom of your tank, and then they can be filtered out from the water really easily. So you're basically doing like grade school chemistry where you're making precipitants that are heavy enough that they'll like (laughs) come together and drop out. Well, yeah, like people think like, oh, it's easy, you know, it's like, but if you, if you literally go to a treatment plant and you ask like, oh, how do you optimize how much of the coagulant you add? And they typically add a polymer to their um, tanks. They literally will just give you some random metric, like two coffee cans full. Like there's no precise dosage that they use. They just kind of say, okay, it's this, 
because they want to get out as much of the crap out of the water as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with that is they'll usually add too much of it in there and they'll waste money by doing that, which nobody wants to, wa- nobody wants to waste money, number one. Uh, and then, you know, you just don't need that much pollen. It can, it can cause problems where you'll restabilize things in, back into solution, which can kind of defeats the purpose. So we're studying that process, essentially. That's awesome. So, like, did you have a chemistry background when you came into yeah, this? Or? So my bachelor's, other than plan two, my other bachelor's is in chemistry. Okay, so you kind of, you knew where you were going with this, because <laughs> I would kind, kind of. be screwed in that kind um, of I think going into grad school, I wanted to work more on synthesizing polymers, but then after talking to some of the grad students, I was like, uh, do I want to run a bunch of columns every day? No, I'm good. Um, I don't, you took, I don't know if you took OChem Lab at all at UT. I did not. I took Gen Chem Lab and... Okay. Yeah, like forgot to put in the dye that turns your your titration pink, phenolphthalein. (laughs) And so like it was like three hours and I was like, this should be pink by now. And then I realized, oh, shit. I used to TA. um, Do you remember what the FRI thing at UT was? Freshman Research Initiative? Yeah, there's there's things similar here. Yeah, yeah. So I used to TA for that. And one of my students, like one of my groups didn't do that as well. And I was like, guys. How do you forget that? <laughs> I was nice to them and I was like, it's fine. Just just get your neighbor's data. But oh my God, it was, I mean, it happens. It happens. But, oh, yeah. but in OCHEM, you have to run these like giant silica columns to separate stuff out. And it just takes forever and it smells gross. And I was like, I'm not about that shit. No Why does it you. smell gross? Because they use a lot of organic solvents. So like they'll use like ether which just smells awful and anything with amine smells terrible and it's just not fun uh, so this is like that's like a wet lab yeah. tech job is that what you do now or are you doing no, a lot more like modeling no, not at all like i don't work under a hood anymore period because like <laughs> literally literally the only dangerous thing in our lab i think is maybe the polymer we use it's not even that bad as long as you don't inject yourself with it like you're good so <laughs> i i don't know it's literally i'm only working at this Drinking water, like the stuff you buy in an office, you know, like for an office, mm-hmm. and then dirt, literally, like clay, um, and salt. So you can't really kill yourself doing that. Do you ever like work in the field or anything, or is it all within a lab? No, it's all lab work. Um, okay. We don't do field work. We get sometimes samples from industrial like treatment centers and stuff like that, but we don't actually physically do field work. Yeah, you have someone else can get you the samples, and you yeah, just yeah, need to be doing the, the chemistry. Yeah, like, well, it's it's not so much chemistry as it is colloidal science, which I, it's kind of chemistry. It's more, I guess, physical-based. Colloidal, like, things colliding? Uh, so, so okay, so in between nanoscale materials, so, like, really, really tiny things, and then, like, macroscale things, there's this kind of gray area called the colloidal region. Oh, and they have, they okay. have their own unique properties. Um, from large-scale materials versus nanoparticles, for example. So we're in that area. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And so, like, most of what I do is, um, yeah, not so much chemistry as it is more, like, physics and, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like the physical properties of what they're doing. Yeah, not- I mean, it's, it's physical chemistry. If you really want to call it anything, it's physical chemistry. Okay. Yeah, I've never really, like I said, I only did gen chem and I took like one semester of organic chemistry and I was like, nope, this is not for me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> this it's is not, not where I need to be. not for everyone. Like, I really liked P-chem a lot, um, physical chemistry. Really? You liked physical chemistry? Yeah. Well, I like I heard math. so many nightmare stories about it. 
I don't know. I mean, you know, each person's different, but I really like the class. I don't know. I like math. Um, and I think just the thought process made more sense to me. Whereas Ochem was very visual and like you had to think spatially a lot. And I'm not really good at that. So. Mm-hmm. No, I know. You, so were you always interested in, in math in like grade school? Yeah. Oh, I always liked math. I don't think there was a time I didn't like math. I didn't like physics for a while in high school, but now I've come to appreciate it. Um, yeah. But math Shout out to, to Gleason for being the most amazing physics professor I've ever had. Oh, ever I didn't had. have to take the plan two physics. <gasps> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, oh. I, looked at, I looked at the physics, like the homework somebody gave, and I'm like, what physics is this? This isn't physics. This is like, let me torture you for a little bit. So yeah, okay, but to be fair, so he like made the homework such that he was encouraging people to be working as groups. He did not want you to be able to complete the homework by yourself because he wanted you to be like thinking and brainstorming with other people. Um, and, like, and I think he just wanted to challenge students who had always been used to being the smartest one in the room and not working that hard and making them kind of like remember they're kind of stupid sometimes and it's okay to I struggle. Mean, I'm all for that. So yeah, yeah that's what, that's what I really got out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think maybe not undergrad, but grad school definitely humbled me a lot. Like I'm definitely yes. not the smartest person in the room anymore. Like not at all. I probably, I, I think I came in actually like bottom of the pack because I was already behind. So I didn't have an engineering degree. Oh, so you had to start with, like, a lot of the classes that everybody else yeah. was like, oh, I've already done that yeah, shit. Like, I like, have not. Like, thermodynamics. Like, I took a thermo class at UT, but it it wasn't the same thing at all. Like, it was not nearly at the same level. So that mm. was a bit of an adjustment. And just, like, the way engineers think versus how scientists think is very different. So that was, there was a little bit of adjustment there, too. What do you mean, like, how they think differently? I'm curious about um, your take on that. So engineers typically just think of like okay how do we you know like we want this result how do we get it and they don't necessarily I mean some do but they don't necessarily always care about the fundamentals behind it like why it works just that how do we get it to work mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense where scientists no, tend, to, tend to think more like oh why is this happening and like how do we you know prevent this or encourage this process to happen like that sort of thing um, I mean you get a lot of crossover especially in academia but I would say largely that's the difference I've seen in thinking yeah, my, my dad's an engineer, so I was curious on how you thought they were different, because I definitely kind of get a sense as different. Although when you get into, like, engineering grad school, it's like I'm approaching engineering as a scientist where I'm asking, yeah, like, the how and why it's, questions. It's definitely so it's much more fundamental than normal engineering, I would say. But mm-hmm. a lot of the times there's still a very clear-cut application as to why somebody is studying this um, area in science and engineering. Whereas, like, if you go to the chemistry grad school here, for example, a lot of it's just like, oh, here's a cool reaction. Here's, a, here's like, a cool mechanistic pathway we found. But it's a lot of times, like, okay, what's that useful for? So yeah. that's, I think, the difference. Yeah. So then what's your what's your long-term goal on, on being an engineering PhD student, essentially? Well, I went into grad school because I knew that with a chemistry bachelor's, there's not a lot I could do that I wanted to do in terms of like R&D at a large scale industrial company. Mm-hmm. Um, they typically take people with PhDs. Uh, so that was the main goal. And just I wanted to, you know, study something else because all I had been doing was just chemistry stuff. And I was like, OK, I'm kind of interested in doing something different. So that was mainly why I went. And then as for when I graduate, that's a great question. Um <laughs> <laughs> probably 
definitely something involved with environmental remediation, I think. I've always liked that area. And um, I honestly think like water is going to be one of those resources that we're going to be having trouble with in the near future, which is terrifying. Uh, if not now. If not now, yeah. Which is terrifying to think about because like, okay, you can live without fossil fuels, like you'll be fine. But without water, you're dead. So. Yeah. So have you been following like, I don't know, like the Flint, Michigan crisis? Yeah, and, like-, like that's that's just such bullshit. Like that's just like ignorance on the part of the, their government there. And fucking, ugh, just, ugh. <laughs> I'm so mad. Like, I'm, that shouldn't be a thing, especially in a developed country like the U.S. Like, there should be no excuse not to have clean water. Like, that makes me so irritated. Like, yeah. When it, when it was for, like, a stupid mistake, right? Like, they switched water providers. Yes. And the new yeah. providers added a different chemical that, like, messed up their lead it pipes, basically, essentially. Basically, I understand it, like, leached out the lead and whatever else was in the pipes and just, like... Ugh, yeah. It's it's, yeah. Uh, it's very basic chemistry, honestly. Electrochemistry is what it is. And they just fucked it up. And I'm like, guys, I don't... I have no words. <laughs> I unfortunately think that that's a lot more common than people really realize or give credit for, especially in, like, a lot of the old cities we have, like Chicago, where I live, or New York, or, you know, because lead pipes were the standard for a really oh, yeah, long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so a lot of the water mains, right now they're doing a big project in Chicago to pull up a bunch of the water mains and put in new ones, and I read somewhere, you know, I have to double check this, but that, like, some of the pipes were actually wood pipes. They weren't even metal. They were just, like, big logs. Like, oh, my big God. timber. And they were like, we should replace these but it's becoming a problem because as they're tearing up the these old pipes especially the lead pipes it's like maybe contaminating the drinking water yeah. although no one's really wanting to test it retrofitting is always difficult my brother is um an architectural engineer and some of the stuff he'd done was on like retrofitting buildings and he said it's a pain in the ass so yeah like i can understand yeah it's when when you make a system you don't really think about I don't know, future-proofing it to some degree? or yeah. I mean, because you just don't know what kinds of things are going to change. Right. I think people are more cognizant of it now, but definitely I would say, like, you know, however many years ago they put those in, they probably weren't. They were like, oh, these will last for a while. It'll be fine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So going into your program, you you had some basic in, basis in chemistry, but you didn't really know a lot about kind of the work you're doing now. How did you decide that... I mean, how did you decide, first of all, on studying, like, these water treatment plants, and how did you just... You already kind of talked a little bit about how you decided not to come up with new polymers, which I get. <laughs> yeah. Um. I Okay, so the advice I give incoming students now coming to grad school is, like, yes, you should go somewhere because you like the research and the projects, but definitely find somebody you can, like, your advisor, like, you can work with. Um, and a lot of times you'll learn to like the project more. And like the group that you're working in. So that's that's kind of how it happened with me. It's like, I knew I wanted to do something that would be useful, environmentally speaking. Um, but at the same time, like, I honestly, I think the main reason why I joined my group was because, A, it was a good group environment. And B, my advisor is awesome. So that's that's just my two cents on that process there. Um, it was kind of like you just knew you'd be able to work with your yeah, advisor. Like, and like It's kind of like speed dating. So the way that we had it was that you had to meet with 10, at least 10 ad, uh, potential advisors uh, in the department. And you had to get like their signatures on the sheet of paper and turn it in. Um, and <laughs> it, it seems really tedious, but it forces you to go, you know, talk to people. And just like, you go talk to them the first time and you kind of get an idea like, okay, is this somebody I could maybe see myself working for? And then you go back for like a second date, if you will. 
Uh, and then you ask them like more in-depth questions and that sort of thing. And then I, I would say after like the second or third meeting, you definitely know who you want to work for. I think for me, it was honestly after the first meeting with my advisor. So I, I don't know. That's the, I think that's just the most important part in the process. Like, yes, you should obviously go for the research, but at the same time, be cognizant of who you're going to work with because this person is going to be your boss for the next five years and you don't want to be miserable. Yeah. So. And it's like five years of not exactly nine to five. Like, you, no, like you might come in on the weekend or you might work till 8 p.m. Yeah. It's like it's, clear. It, yeah. Like my dad went to grad school as well and he had a horrible advisor and he was like, no, just he, he warned me. He was like, just make sure your advisor is not an asshole like mine was. So because his life was miserable in grad school. So. Is your dad also in engineering? I have to ask. Actually, yes. His uh, bachelor's <laughs> is also in chemistry, uh, and his PhD is, in fact, in material science, which is wow. Where, I know, like that was not like a choice that I made on purpose at all. So <laughs> I don't know. I came into UT as a music major, if that tells you anything. So that is such an about face. Wait, how did you go from music to like chemistry to engineering? Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it just happened. Uh, well, I think when I was entering college, I had on like everybody, almost everybody had no idea what the hell I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I was like music. So I was like, oh, you know, this will be fine. But then when I talked to some music majors and they have to practice for like 20 million hours a day and they just they did not. Maybe they were happy, but they didn't look very happy. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe this is just at UT. I don't know. But I was like, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life. No, thank you. Um, yeah. And then I think what I I think I'd switch to psychology. Yeah, psychology. Because I thought, oh, this sounds interesting. Um, but then when I saw it was very like a lot of it was very bio focused and like neurology focused. And I was like, oh, I'm good. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> see, that's what drew me in. <laughs> Each person is different, you know. So oh, yeah. that, that's why I let the people who want to do that do that. And I can stay out of it and not mess things up. So, you know, it's fine. And then chemist, I just like chemistry a lot. Uh, in high school, I took AP Chem. And my teacher then was like, oh, you know, you should really consider majoring in it because I think you're good at it. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. And then, yeah, I switched to chemistry. So. Yeah, that's, well, how much do you feel of, like what you learned in college has helped you in grad school in terms of like the uh, chemistry classes you took in undergrad? Well, it's actually funny because my group now, most of them are composed of mechanical engineers. My group is actually in the mechanical engineering department. Um, so it's mostly them. And then like my main person I work with is chemical engineering. And so they'll come in and ask me random chemistry questions like, oh, hey, if I mix this and this, will that explode or whatever or something like that? <laughs> so strangely, it has come in useful for stuff like that. Um, I think, uh, let's see, I think my, my PCHEM courses were very useful because of the math I had to do in them. And also um, some of the classes I had to take for material science involved a lot of quantum mechanics, which I learned in those classes. So that was really helpful. Um, and just like, I guess, getting used to the sort of report writing skills that you need and that sort of thing was pretty useful. I, I mean, I would say my degree was useful for preparing me for grad school. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, because sometimes it's like not the fault of your university, but like if you haven't had experience doing research then entering the world of research oh, as yeah. a grad student is like, very different. Yeah, like I had a lot of research experiences in really varied disciplines. So I think that helped me to adjust to like, this is a completely new discipline for me as well. But I'm not a stranger to that. So it, it was fine. 
Right. Yeah, you're a stranger to the expectations and the kinds of yeah, like exactly. things you have to think about, essentially. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So when you study these water treatment plants, is this like treatment plants for drinking water or is this wastewater or mostly drinking water mostly drinking water um people can do like sludge and that sort of thing but we're kind of trying not to do that because it it's gross (laughs) but maybe (laughs) maybe eventually i don't know i mean knock on wood hopefully not but we might um so you know yeah um i guess i can give you more of a better understanding of what exactly we do so um so in the treatment plant, there's this process called a jar test, which all that really means is like you stick a beaker in this something called a flocculator, which is um, just this box with these paddles hanging down from the box and they mix stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's like one macro scale test that they use in treatment plants. And they basically check like, oh, what's the dose of, you know, flocculant I need for this condition? Like, OK, if the water is at, you know, 10 millimolars of an ACL and blah 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 like how much salt or how much polymer will I need something like that so we do some of that stuff um but the big draw in our group is we use something called a Taylor Cuet cell to study population so um what that is basically is this giant thing sitting in our lab on a crane like this thing is massive and it's two concentric cylinders um one of them is glass and the other one is like anodized aluminum and uh basically what you can do is you can basically make flow states so one of the things our groups like main i guess how do you say like one of the areas that we study is fluid mechanics and fluid dynamics um mm-hmm. so what that tc cell does the telequet cell does is that you can generate various flow states and we're looking to see how that affects flocculation because realistically in a treatment plant like you're not going to go in and add more salt to make the process better because then you have to get rid of that salt and that's expensive so we're trying to see if, like, if you alter the way it's mixed, like, could that perhaps make the process better? So, like, speed it up, slow it down? Something like that, yeah. Like, what, be, what you can do <laughs> is... No, that's, that's basically what it is. So, like, the Taylor Quetzal, what it, what it does is the two cylinders can rotate either with each other or independently of each other, um, which that's how you can generate those flow states. And so we're just trying to see, like, which ones, you know, are the best for flocculating or which ones break up the flocks or, you know, what have you. We haven't quite gotten to that step yet. We've done a little bit of preliminary work there. We're still trying to like work out the last little kinks in our system. But I think yeah. we're, getting, we're getting pretty close to getting to the point where we can start doing that full time. So then you're just you're basically optimizing a system that already exists to help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're trying to figure out fundamentally what's going on in there, too. Hence is why we do more of like the smaller scale things. Um, in addition to that large scale TC cell, I also do a lot of microscopy work. Um, oh really yeah yeah so what we can do is we can attach a fluorophore to the polymer that we use to flocculate our dirt basically in solution um and then you can look at those under a microscope a fluorescent microscope um so you're just like tagging your polymer that you're adding yeah so exactly and then um you can actually get really nice 3d images of the flux if you use something called um 3d cone focal fluorescence microscopy um and so you get these really nice, like, 3D pictures of the flocks. And so depending on the conditions in which we flocculate things, we can see, like, oh, is this flock, is it more of, like, a hemoglobin-type thing? Like, is it more networked? Or, oh, is it more, you know, patchy? And ideally, what you would like your flock to be is you want it to be really dense and really robust and really strong. Because if it breaks, 
then, you know, there's a chance that some of it can re-stabilize back up into solution or it won't settle as readily down to the bottom as you would like. So we do a lot of that work, too. So you're trying to, I mean, basically make these these balls, these flocks, in, like, tightly compressed, and even if they break up, they'll stay as tight groupings and not just, yeah, like... Yeah, you, you just want the flocks to be as robust as possible, really. Yeah. Okay. I can, <laughs> I think I can picture this right. This is just, a, it's a type of thinking I never really do. I it's guess. kind of a lot. So we have like a more, you know, practical mindset area with the TC cell. And then we have a more fundamental with the microscopy and that sort of stuff that we do. So, so when you're looking to like publish and stuff, do you like publish like, you know, when you have it under these, this problem under these conditions, you're going to get flocks that look like this. Like, yeah, I mean, we're actually, oh, this is so frustrating. We actually got, we sent a paper for a submission. When was it? November. And like the day after New Year's, we get it back and they're like, two of the authors like, or two of the reviewers liked it. And then one of the reviewers was like, no, fuck this shit. We don't, I don't like of this. Don't publish it. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it'd be, it'd be fine if it was like the first rejection, but this is like the third time this has happened. So we're kind of like, really? <laughs> Like what, yeah. what do you want from us, you know? And so we're we're trying to backpedal and see what we can do. Um, yeah, I I've definitely spent like a year trying to get a thing published before, so I know how that goes. It's so annoying. It's just like okay, and like the other stuff I published in undergrad, you know, was accepted readily without really any issue. And I think the problem is that what we are doing with our system isn't like it's not really in the literature. Like there's not really a lot there. So there's not a lot for, you know, reviewers to compare it to. So they're more picky with our science, which is fine. Like they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just kind of like, okay, what more do we need to do, you know, to convince you that what we're seeing is we're not making this up, you know? Yeah. How so. many, well, so how many people are working in this kind of field, like on these, on this kind of dynamic, fluid dynamics type stuff? Uh, in academia or just like generally? I mean, in academia, I guess. And then also generally. <laughs> Tell me both. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. I actually don't know. Um, well, from my understanding, we're the only ones with our TC cell design. I'm not going to say what's special about ours because, like, you know, it's kind of hush-hush sort of thing. But mm-hmm. okay, that's something I can't really talk about. Like, I <laughs> would rather not until we get something published or patented on it. Um but there's a, there's, there's a certain design feature in our cell that makes it very unique from what others have in the literature and from just other labs that we understand. So, yeah, I don't I don't really know, honestly, who else does exactly what we do. That's a good question. I um, mean, that's pretty awesome. It does mean that you're really making an impact in the field. Well, I hope so. <laughs> like, we're trying... <laughs> You know, that's the risk, too, when you join, like, a new sort of field, like, new project. Like, you know, you're not going to necessarily get publications at the wazoo everywhere, which is fine. Like, I'm not in this to publish a million papers. Like, no, that's not my goal, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's always nice to have a few publications, but I think it partially probably depends on the field and also what you plan to do afterwards, how much that really matters. Like, Like, industry doesn't really care that much. They just care, like okay, what skill set do you bring to us? Like, what techniques can you do? You know, that's what they care about more. Whereas, like, yeah. if you're going to go into academia, yes, they will care about, you know, where did you finish your PhD? Who did you do your postdoc with? What did you publish? Where did you publish it? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, so this is almost like a six uh, or a five-year apprenticeship for you, essentially, yeah, where it's like, of. learn all these cool things, and then you'll be hireable in the field. Well, exactly. Like, Carrie, my advisor, was telling me, you know, she was like, make sure you learn as many techniques as you can, because that, that will make you more marketable, you know, for industry, because I do not want to do academia. Like, I know that right now. 
So I like. I think it's a good thing to know right now. (laughs) I no, it's just not for like you need a certain I think personality to be in academia, and I just don't possess that. So, and that's fine. I don't. Yeah, and it's not that you don't care (laughs) that you're not like academically driven, but you're not driven to play the game that is necessary for academia. I don't. I like being at. I like being at the bench. I like doing hands-on work. I don't like sitting and writing a million grants every day. So. And managing. I find that so sad that that's what like academia to some degree on the higher end has become. It's just like, how much money can you ask for? It's like, ah, that's not why I did this. Well, like especially at D one research, like mine is a D one research university, so like that's all they do is you know write proposals and that sort of thing. Whereas, like from Mm -hmm. what I understand, if you go to a smaller like liberal arts school, there's a guy um, at Augsburg here, which is like across the river from um, the Twin Cities campus. And he, I asked him, cause I was doing some work with him and he said, oh yeah, like I, you know, I go in and do some lab work and I have, he has undergrads that actually are kind of like his grad students of sort, like, I don't know if they get paid or not, but they are kind of like standing as a grad student. So he's like, yeah, I do definitely do a lot more hands-on work than somebody at like a D1 university does. So that's interesting. It, it just kind of depends where you're at. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of variety there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean... So do you have any last thoughts that you want to talk about or about your research or whether you think people should do a field like you do or if they shouldn't? I mean, I on, it just depends on your interests. Like I would say for anybody who's thinking about going into grad school, don't do it just to do it because it's t- it's really hard work. Like like you said, you don't have normal for hours. not a lot of pay. <laughs> no, like I mean, OK, in Minnesota, like we get paid fairly decently. I'm not going to lie for being a grad student, at least in our department. Um, but you know, it's still not, you're doing a lot more work than what you're getting paid for. That is true. Yes. Yeah. Um, always. Cause, and especially if you care, like that's just automatically going to yeah. be more. Yeah. So like, don't, you know, don't do it to get rich. Cause you're not going to get rich. Uh, don't do it because you know, your parents say you have to, or, you know, you feel like you have to do it like just to do it, I guess. I mean, I don't know, maybe if you want to do it fine, but just know what you're getting yourself into. I think is my point. <laughs> Um, yeah, because it's 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 a lot different than what I imagined it to be, but also at the same time, kind of what I expected it to be. If that makes sense. I don't know. Um, I think it. I think it does. I mean, especially if we've had previous experience in research, that definitely helps. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. If, if it does, if you've done like research before, I would say, especially for a long period of time, like in a professor's group or at a national lab or whatever, like it's a very similar environment to that. I would say so. I mean, you're sort of prepared going into it if you have done that before. Which I think, I think most applicants nowadays do. Yeah, yeah, more and more so every every yeah. year. I, think. I, I can't think of anybody who didn't come into graduate school without some sort of research experiment, honestly. Um, yeah, or experience, excuse me. So I would say for any hopefuls, definitely get some sort of experience before you, because it helps you realize too. Like, do you want to do this? You know, for five years slash the rest of your life. So. Yeah, you should should figure that out now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Don't don't waste your time if you're not certain because it's a lot of time. And you know what? I'm going to say this like in my program. um, So we take a qualifying exam, which I'm preparing for right now, which is sort of terrifying. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like if you feel like grad school is not your thing, there is no shame in dropping out with a master's. Like there's absolutely no shame in that, you know, like. If it's not for you, don't do it, you know? So, and industry is not going to care. Absolutely agree. Like, industry will not care, like, if you've mastered out, like, it's fine. 
So yeah, they'll just think that you earned a master's, not like oh you didn't. I mean, didn't they probably in the back of their mind they'll probably blah, think blah. think that, but I don't think they care. They're just like, okay, you have the skill set we want, like whatever, you can do the job, so we'll hire you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, on that note, I mean, I think that's a really always a good point to reinforce because some people are like yeah just like i don't know what to do so i feel like she grad school I'm like that no, is not a reason like, no. ever no, 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 <laughs> to no, do grad school. school i'm like just just you know what if you're not sure you know take a year off and work somewhere else or do something else and then if you f- still feel very strongly about it then you can you can always apply you know yeah so yeah exactly that's not going to go anytime soon <laughs> probably ever um yeah yeah anyways uh well if people are interested in the research that you know you're doing or your lab is doing do you have a twitter or you know a lab web web page or something where they can find you if you just google um let's see i'm googling it right now to see what it comes up as Um, (laughs) you're like please let us be the top google hit this will be weird if we're not so if you if you just google complex complex fluids umn it's the first link that pops up Awesome. Okay. Um, and as always, you can contact me uh, on Twitter at Sadie Witt um, is my personal Twitter and also at PH Drinking for the podcast. And you can email me at phdrinking at gmail.com uh, for any other suggested interviewees or topics or whatever. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This has been really interesting. It's definitely a field that I feel like I don't get to hear much about. And so it's been really cool. Oh yeah. I'm glad to, you know, be a, be a rep for it finally. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I'm a part of this now. (laughs) Come to me for knowledge or knowledge that I think I have anyway. I don't know. (laughs) If nothing else, I can direct you to the other person who does know. (laughs) I can direct you to somebody who does know. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Um, All right. Well, thank you again. And this has been PH Drinking. Bye, guys. Adios. Adios.